Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks family. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhausner at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. I'm your host for what is going to be a fun, yes, you heard it, is going to be a fun episode discussing the state of our, our Seahawks, our three and six Seahawks. Uh, th- these are the points where you actually find out not like what kind of fan you are because there's too much judgment in that but I don't mean that in a good or bad I mean like literally like what how do you approach fanning your team Um, because when things are going well it's pretty easy when they're not you start having to make some choices Uh, so (laughs) we're definitely in that moment Uh, so uh, with me uh, we've got kind of the one of the original quartet not the original two but the original quartet uh so nathan ernst at nathan e11 nathan is battling an illness but he wanted to be here for us for you and uh we welcome you to the show nathan good to see you man thanks uh let's hope i battle through my adversity better than rested last week well there you know you mentioned some nausea going through your family Mm -hmm. i can't promise when we talk about the seahawks tonight that that may not come back up so get a get a bucket or you know, 
if anything comes up for me i promise to, to to hide my video feed so dude no you're not allowed to that will be, no that will be fantastic content uh if that if that happens <laughs> uh and then uh jeff simmons at real jeff simmons always with us uh someone we can you know count on to have a rational and reasoned point of view uh while the rest of us are flailing back and forth um how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm curious to see everyone's opinions tonight. Uh, I know we haven't seen Evan in a while, so I'm very curious to see where the show goes. <laughs> it is always entertaining. Uh, we, we don't even know, right? So, uh, and as Jeff mentioned, we've got him back. Uh, Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB. <laughs> I forgot what your handle is. I think that's it. Only the 180th episode. <laughs> I know, dude. I don't really pay attention to your social Twitter. media. Like, Probably I, have me muted on Twitter. Let's be <laughs> No, I don't, but maybe I should. Um, but man, it's been, it's been a long time and it's really good to see you. Uh, you know, I feel like other than having a plate of, of Matador nachos in front of us, this is uh, the next best thing. So uh, how you been doing? Uh, I'm doing well. It's good to see you guys. It's, I feel like it's been a, it's been a hot second. Um, to explain my absence, I've been dealing with some family stuff the past couple of weeks, but I'm uh, glad to be back. As you guys know, I was at Lambeau for the Packers game this past weekend. Had an absolute blast, froze my ass off, but um, here I am ready to talk some Seahawks. And uh, honestly, um, still coming off a high from green Bay. I know we lost and like we scored zero points and I flew away like halfway across the country to watch my favorite football team score zero points. But like, that was an incredible experience. Yeah. Well, that's where I wanted to start. Honestly, like I, I would love to, like, I loved going to green Bay. I had a very different green Bay experience than you because I went in, I think the game was in September and it was like 75 and yeah. wearing t-shirts and barbecuing yeah. and all that kind of stuff it was fantastic but what was what was pre-game like I mean we know what the game was like and we'll hear about that a little bit but like yeah so is- I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you guys a great story um I was there with Sam Hawk Badger and of course we were decked out Seahawks gear and everything like that and up to game time it was snowing really hard it was um sticking there was probably like I want to say like four or five six inches on the ground um they had covered the field pre-game so that's the reason um, there wasn't snow on, you know, on the field for the game, but, um, you know, we were looking around, walking around for a Seahawks tailgate, just kind of like poking our, our heads around different areas and two older Packers fans came up to us and, um, immediately sort of noticed that we were like, I guess out of place is the right phrase. And they were like, Hey guys, you know, welcome to green Bay. We're so stoked that you're here. Welcome to Lambeau. Thanks for coming out to the game. Um, come on over. We'll buy you some beers. We've got some meat on the grill, like come on over. And we hung out with them for several hours. And these were guys we had never met before. And I hate saying that. I hate saying this because like, I hate the Packers vehemently. And I was just really, really impressed um, with Packers fans in general. Uh, this was not, this was not an isolated experience. We probably had five or six different groups of random Packers fans come up to us and just be like, Hey, so glad you're here. Welcome to Lambeau. Enjoy the game. You know, I hope it's competitive and your team stays healthy. It was really a mind blowing sort of uh, sports experience for me. 
Um, I don't care that we lost. I don't care that we scored zero points. It was one of those things where I almost feel like every sports fan, even if you're not a football fan, you have to go experience Lambeau once in your life. And the fact that it was snowing, it was just stunning. It was absolutely beautiful. I froze my absolute ass off. It was like 12 degrees with wind chill. So I, um, I wore two pant layers. I would, I wore four pant or four shirt layers, but I made a catastrophic mistake. Okay. And I want to tell you about my catastrophic mistake. And then I promise I'll end it. I wore normal shoes, not boots. Okay. So we were walking around in snow and my shoes got fucking wet. Okay. So here I am in like 12 degree wind chill temperature. By the end of the game, my feet are like icicles, literally frozen to death. Hypothermia status. Don't know if I still have toes, but um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that outside of it was. Like, uh, I feel like I needed, I don't know if you saw some of the pictures of Evan uh, at the game, but <laughs> as someone who lives in, you know, near the North pole, I, I feel like you can maybe help critique Evan's approach his his, uh, his choice of clothing for that. I mean, but I had before Jeff jumps in, I have to say I was wearing a neck. I was like wearing the neck little stretch warmer thing that people wear. I was wearing a beanie. Okay. I had gloves. I put hand warmers in my fucking shoes because I was so cold, Jeff. So you needed those details. That's funny. I wish you asked me before because I was going to, I would have told you the number one amateur move is the shoes. Oh, <laughs> it was layered, such a fucking mistake. You Jeff. can be layered all you want, but if your feet are fucking freezing, you can't shake that feeling. It was a big, and, yeah, that's like nothing. That is really bad. And when like the wind blows in your face, like unless you're wearing one of those like baklavas, like yeah. you're screwed. It's where like the COVID mask actually actually helps a little bit. It's like socially acceptable to wear that now. Yeah. But yeah, the feet, the feet is really bad. That's the one thing I would have told you to focus on. Did but you guys see Donald Trump jerseys that I, that I caught a picture of? <laughs> I did. No. Brian and Nathan, you didn't see that? No. Okay, well, apparently you two have me muted, so that is actually accurate. Uh, yeah, I caught it, not to get political for a second, but I literally caught, um, I saw a Seahawks fan wearing a custom Seahawks jersey with the number 20, like 2020, and Trump on the back end. And somebody spent $150 on that. I was blown away by that. But uh, That's not that surprising. Uh, but Nathan, you you had to have noticed the quarter zip pullover that that – that Evan was wearing. Uh, he's still fucking wearing it. it right now, man. Oh my God. It, it, anyway, like it's a quarter zip. It's not a full zip though. What are you talking you, about? You don't like quarter zip. Quarter zip is phenomenal. It's the full zip. That is major boomer status. Oh, I see. Well, Josh seemed to agree with me on it. So I, I, I must've misremembered, but you look like you had like, you were like five layers less than you needed. Um, it was, it was, I was waiting pregame when I saw you, I was like, oh, that's going to be a rough, it's going to be a rough afternoon. <laughs> I was um, cool. <laughs> uh, Nathan, have you ever been to Lambo? I have not, no. Jeff, you? I went, but I really badly want to go back. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a must do for sure. It's, it's a pain in the ass to get there. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the worst part by far. But like once you're there, game day is, is tough to beat. It's tough to beat. I have a feeling like 
Arrowhead's supposed to be pretty cool. The barbecue, the tailgating ahead of time. I think that's supposed to be a pretty good experience. But yeah, Lambo's great. Lambo's absolutely great. Um, I will not go watch a Seahawks game in Lambo. I will go to Lambo and I will go watch them play another team. What, that, sorry, I'm looking for my my cheese head. Oh, there it is. Uh, um, wh- why? You have a cheese head? Because yeah. have we watched this team in Lambo? Like it's yeah. never good. It's it's always awful. John Kitna would disagree with you. Can Who? I just say John Kitna? The last quarterback to win in Lambo for this. Is that true? Yes. Can I can I just submit an observation to the panel to the Seahawks panel? DK Metcalf ran within five feet of me when I was saying hi to some people on the sidelines. And that dude is so fucking big. It's crazy. Like it's insane. Yeah. Well, so is his mouth, apparently. Oh. Not wrong. Not always his hands, though, um, unfortunately. Um, well, so yeah, let's let's get into talking about the Seahawks. Um, we talked about it a little bit after the, in the post game show um, where we were feeling, and and Evan, you know, yeah, you, you mentioned you didn't care whether they won or lost. I mean, obviously, we all care whether they win or lose, but uh, what what was your what was your reaction, you know, looking at that game? What did you walk away thinking? Yeah, I um, I really walked away questioning whether Russell should have played, to be honest with you. Um, there were several uh, quarterbacks, former quarterbacks slash commentators coming out that, say, that, that were saying several of the passes that he was definitely inaccurate on and that he normally makes – you know, we're sailing directly due to that middle finger being an issue. Um, he clearly didn't look healthy, but he also looked jumpy. He looked rusty. So obviously disappointed with how Russell played. But I mean, this is kind of a lame take, but I'm just going to give it anyway. Like, guys, this Packers game, even if they had won, doesn't change the outcome for me for this team uh, this year. We we've talked about it so many times, but going back to like the beginning of the season, we talked about what success would look like for this team. And I'm, I'm pretty sure all of us agreed it was an NFC championship appearance. I think Dana said a, a divisional round appearance. <laughs> this team is too inconsistent, frankly, on both sides of the ball to win anything meaningful in the playoffs this year. And a lucky win in green Bay wasn't going to change that the change that perspective of mine, frankly. And I know that's kind of sad and depressing, but I just, uh, it, I expected to lose. We lost the defense is incredibly, or the offense is incredibly depressing. The defense was amazing. I'm, I'm totally, totally blown away with their progression over the past four weeks. I, I know um, I had been pretty publicly skeptical of the defense over the past few weeks and um, you know, they proved it. They they held this. They held the Packers to three points at home through three quarters, which is insane because the offense was um, not sustaining drives whatsoever. So encouraged by this defense, discouraged by this offense, discouraged by the team overall. Does that answer the question? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I agree with just about everything you said, which is is uh, of note anyway. But uh, 
the only thing I would I'd quibble with is the notion it would have been a lucky win. I think the defense did everything to make that was not a lucky performance on that side of the ball. The offense had like, I don't know, been five percent of what we had hoped the offense would be before the season. <laughs> they win that game. I mean, um, I mean, I know Pete Carroll got a lot of flack for talking about the officials, and he should. I mean, the coach, it's just never a good look for coaches to talk especially coach of a team that got shut out to talk about the officials this is not a good look the truth of the matter is i think that the seahawks might have won that game if some calls went the other way it doesn't mean that that's you know that that's the main reason at all but you know that even that holding penalty on damian lewis you know jason myers could have easily missed um whatever field goal they would have wouldn't have Um, you know Anyway, so, so yeah, I thought it was – I still walk away feeling like that was a fun game. It's the weirdest thing to walk away feeling like that was a fun game when your team gets shut out, but – This is driving me insane. I have to say, it's driving me insane. Yeah, go, go, go. You have been going on and on about how heroic the defense is and that you feel so good. You quit on this team after they put up 31 points and lost in overtime to maybe the best team in the AFC. And they go out and they get shut out. And yeah. they play good defense against a Packers team that if you look at the last few Aaron Rodgers games, they scored 24, they scored 24, they scored 24. So they, 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 they held them to one less touchdown than wow. the Cardinals, no, than, that. Those were than the Cardinals, than, than Washington, then Chicago held them too. So, but now it's, oh, I feel great. I feel great about the team. The offense looked horrendous. The, they couldn't shut out the Jaguars last week. This week, they get shut out by the Packers and pretending that this is somehow exciting or encouraging or good is just, it's eating at me. Interesting. I mean, I think it's all relative. I said it in the postgame show, my perspective on the team is no different um, in terms of, you know, what needs to happen beyond this season. Um, And I don't disagree with Evan in terms of their prospects for the rest of this season, but am I excited that the defense is like for, it's not just this game. I think for the better part of six weeks has played really, really well. Yeah, I I am. Like it's something, it's something that's been relatively consistent and it's something that we did hope for before the season. And I would say that's the one thing that's happened this year that might be above the average fan expectations, the way the defense is playing right now. And so, yeah, I'm going to fucking celebrate it because I've been a fan for like 40 years. And I know that in seasons like this, you better find something to enjoy because otherwise it's just freaking painful. So uh, that's it. I'm not sitting here saying like, I've kind of gone through my 12 stages already, Nathan, like that Titans game. I saw everything I needed to know to know that this Seahawks team was not going to be any better than this team last year. And the team last year wasn't good enough to do anything interesting. Nothing's changed in that evaluation. That's who this team is. And I've been pretty consistent that my frustration, even back then was with an offense that I thought was not creating sustainable, repeatable, you know, points. And, and that's proven to be true. So uh, there hasn't been a lot of new information other than the defense playing better since then. Um, Jeff, I see you nodding. What are you thinking? Well, my mind's gone a lot of places this week uh, since our conversation. And I sort of came away out of that game closer to Nathan. I'd say 
I, yeah, I'm definitely encouraged by the defense. And we were talking about a pre-show. There's a lot of advanced stats that show this defense is even better than some people realize uh, in terms of like their EPA per play. And I think Nathan or Brian would be better explaining it than I would be. But really my feeling since the game ended is around the offense. And I've just had this sort of uneasy feeling watching Russell and the offense all year. And so first my thought was sort of just like, sort of where everyone went, should he have played? Uh, why did he look so bad? And then I, my mind kind of shifted around to like, is his game just not aging well? And we saw what happened at the end of last year. I probably, that was probably an overreaction by me. It's possible that's true, but really since week one, he just hasn't. And then I read that article on the ringer about Russell. I don't know if you guys caught that, the Rogers Russell article. And I thought the writer, uh, Stephen Reeves, I think is made some really good points that, and, and sort of a light bulb went off for me and it sort of clicked. And it's sort of the, watching the offense all year and we came into the year thinking, okay, this Rams scheme is going to be really good for Russell. It's going to open up things for him. But Ruiz made the point, actually, the Rams scheme is actually really a poor fit for Russell. And he talked about in the article how their core concept they run is a lot of in-breaking routes and stuff that really doesn't fit Russell's game. And it might have been a misevaluation by Russell himself and by Pete that thinking this scheme would work. And he kind of made the point, and we've all been – making the assumption that just Waldron is bad. And it's certainly possible that's the case. But what Ruiz pointed out is just Waldron has been unable to match with Russell because he can't call the core concepts of what he knows. And then you think about it and you think about the quarterbacks that have done successful in that scheme. And it's been Matt Ryan, uh, Kirk Cousins, that scheme really elevated. That's how McVay got hired in the first place. And it was Matt Ryan in Atlanta and then the guy he wanted to draft this year, Kyle Shanahan, was Mac Jones. And you think about those guys, and yeah, they're all white, but stylistically, their games are all kind of similar, how they win. And it's very different than how Russell wins. So it sort of clicked with me as it's sort of explained why the offense just looks so disjointed all year, because Waldron doesn't seem to have a feel on how to call games for Russell. And last game, they tried to do these different pistol concepts to cover his finger. So it sort of explained the light sort of went off just why the offense just hasn't worked all year. Cause Waldron doesn't seem to have the concepts that fit Russell's game. And Russell seems to be in an offense that doesn't work for him. So I thought that was a really good article that really explains sort of the disjointed look and why they just can't put plays together because they're not meshing. And this might be a Pete problem too, because he might've misidentified the problem. Sure. This, well, this <clears> whole, <throat> yeah. Go ahead. Okay. This whole thing is so annoying because so last year was, you know, the offense fell off a cliff and everyone's like, oh, they're running cover two and Russell won't throw intermediate middle of the field. And that's why they're getting exploited. And then they go out and they hire Waldron from the Ram system where they take advantage of the intermediate middle of the field. And they've barely even called this stuff. Right. And like when they have, it's been hit or miss. There's been some good stuff. There's been some times where Russell has missed and, and so, like, that was the whole intermediate middle thing where, like, okay, can he grow? Can he do this, right? But it just, they just don't call it. And yes, Shoddy yeah. doesn't call it. And at some point, if you're, if, if you're saying that this is how you, you know, force defense out of, defense is out of what they're doing to you, and you go hire a coordinator who can do this and is good at it, like, at some point, you just have to call the plays, whether Russ is comfortable or not, or good or not, like, you have to to try and that's the most frustrating thing is maybe if they did it a bunch russ would suck at it and we could just like at least be done with the conversation but they don't even call it 
And they didn't call it with Gino either. It's not like we saw some big contrast there either. And so it's just bizarre that like they have what seems to be this clear weakness. They went out and they hired somebody that it seemed like to address it. And they're just not even trying. Well, I think we have to separate a couple of things. Maybe you guys feel differently, but I'll just put it. It is easy to overreact to Russell's first game back after injury in Green Bay in the snow where he's never played well against a really good defense. Like, I don't walk away from that game like Russell's broken, like Russell sucks. Like that, that, I mean, I don't think any of us feel that way. This is, I think we're jumping ahead to a conversation of what we could assess from that game plus what we've seen so far from Russell this season, right? And then over the past few seasons, like what's going on there? Because look, if Russell's not playing his best, this team is not good enough. Like that, like we're all, we've all been searching for how do you optimize like your best asset? Like that's a hundred percent the, the, the goal to your point, Nathan. I mean, I don't know this to be true, but what I've heard is offensive coordinators don't call those plays. If, if they have repeated experiences where the quarterback won't make those, those throws. So I don't know if it's a chicken and egg thing where it's like, Russell has to show he's willing to make that throw even in practice for them to feel like that's going to be a better call than one of the throws that Russell's more likely to make. Um, and I think that, like these coordinators can't forget Russell's got a job. He's got a shit ton of money. He's going to make money for the rest. He's going to, he's going to always have a job in the NFL until he doesn't want to. These coordinators don't. And this is Waldron's first job. So he is going to do everything he can to find things that work. And if you see something that's not going to work, I don't think it's realistic to expect him just to call it because of philosophically, he believes that that's the right play to run. Um, I think that's part of the tension. I don't know, Evan, if you have, go ahead, Jeff. Well, I was going to say, just talking about the quarterback, how it impacted the Rams got Stafford this year. And they've run an offense that has been very different to fit the court. They're not doing a lot of play action like they have. They're not running the same kind of concepts and they've sort of lost themselves over the last couple of weeks. And they've gone away from the under center play action stuff that really made Jared Goff from who looks like the worst quarterback in the NFL to a guy who was functional until his limitations got the best of them. But you see with putting Stafford in that offense, they thought it was going to unlock things. And over the last couple of weeks, they've actually figured out it's they've taken a step back because they've lost themselves to an extent. So it's a really tricky thing because usually when like the last couple of years, there was the big notion that P was holding Russell back. And to me, that was almost easier to accept. And like, we knew it, like there was a clear answer, but now I find just the answer is so much more complicated. That's why I've seemed so uneasy with what's going on because if it was like that green Bay playoff game where they, they take the offense away from Russell, then he lights it up and, the coaching is clearly issue, but now the defense is getting better and it's the offense that's not working. It's, it's just such a complicated thing to figure out, okay, how does this thing work now? Do you have to find a new scheme again? Do you move off? The, it's so complicated now. It just, that feels like a little bit of an overreaction, Jeff. I mean, to be does honest it? with you. Yeah. It's... Evan would know about overreaction. So I think they can, <laughs> you know, know that Evan's saying it's an overreaction. Guys, guys. <laughs> Russell played very poorly against Green Bay, no doubt in the world. But he also came back after four weeks in what is supposed to be an eight-week injury. Okay. He played in one of the toughest environments in the NFL against a very good Green Bay defense. 
Agreed, but I, I think you can throw that game out completely. I don't think any of my take of anything to do with that game. Yeah, I mean, and and Evan, shocking to me, uh, Geno Smith has a higher EPA per play on the season than Russell does. Did you guys see Geno Smith's tweet after the game? I oh, did. You, you made sure we did. I, did I send it to you guys? What do you think? Yeah. Well, first of all, tell people that might not have seen it what it said, and then tell tell us what you think he meant by it. To be honest, I don't even 100% remember what it said, but it was something like, I want to vent, but it's not safe or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so uh, do I know what it means? Not at all. What was your interpretation? I think um, he maybe felt that Russell wasn't healthy enough to play and that he probably could have scored more than zero points in Green Bay. And Yeah. I think that there's a fair conversation to be had around this because it sounds like they really threw out like half of their playbook and the offense looked like ass, but it's just, it's just so amazing. Like that dude played like ass for three and a half weeks. He, (laughs) he literally, he threw the Rams game away and then he fumbled the Steelers game away and he did Jack all against the saints. And he has one game against the worst team in the NFL. And suddenly he's out here. Like, I don't want to vent, but I'm better than Russ. Like, like calm down. You are Gino. You are a back, like just chill, buddy. (laughs) I agree with your conclusion. I don't have the same assessment. I thought Gino played well in the second half against the Rams. Like, I actually think he was the one that made that a game until the interception at the end. His two drives were pretty good. Yeah, but that and makes then sense. I thought he played a legitimately good game. We can uh, we can dismiss it against Jacksonville. Jacksonville's defense is not sure. terrible. And he made le- legitimate NFL throws. I- I've been super hard on him. I mean, I've said he's horrible and, and trash. So it's not like I'm trying to build him up. But objectively i thought he played a legitimately good game against jacksonville so you know there are going to be people that are like hey the guy hasn't played in 55 years you know it takes him a little while to get back in the flow he finally gets going and you sit him down for a guy that was hurt like i can understand from his perspective where that might be frustrating do i think geno smith is better than russell wilson no way like is he like in the same like stratosphere no like but would they have a better chance of winning that game? Maybe. That one game, maybe. Um, I don't know that they would have, but as bad as Russ was, you don't have to be great to have a better chance um, in that particular game. Uh, let's turn our to <laughs> God, this is moving along. I guess we're, we started late, so I'm, I'm looking at this clock. But um, let's talk a little bit about Arizona, can we? Um, you know, I, I think we, we also want to look ahead a little bit, um, cause I know that's where our heads are going, but, uh, actually I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my mind. Uh, we are what, uh, nine games in. So we're about halfway, a little over halfway through. And I wanted to revisit our predictions, uh, for a second. We'll do this. We'll do this pretty quickly. Uh, we won't go through all of them, but, our um, loss predictions, the oh, so win loss predictions, I had them at five and four, and I was the lowest. Everyone else had them at six and three. Oh. So yeah, you know what? Like if Russell played, they never got hurt. They really could be six and three. Like it's not. Yeah, uh, maybe. 
Uh, really like that. There was a field goal to those games. We just said Geno Smith stinks, and they beat yeah. the Steelers. Yes, I don't know. It's 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 not it's not the most whatever. It's irrelevant. The team sucks. Yes. Right? Um, a couple other things calling out here that are, are <laughs> sorry. This is Nathan. Colby Parkinson receiving yards. Uh, <laughs> Evan, you had him at the most for 320, and you had him also for six touchdowns on the year. Um, can somebody, can somebody call up Colby Parkinson's stats? Does anybody have that really quickly? Zero. I think it's just zero. <laughs> I will pull them up, but I don't think there's anything to pull up. Like, does he even have a catch? He has one catch for one yard, and it was <laughs> not for a touchdown. Why do we fall for the preseason bullshit? Like, we're like, oh, like, D. Eskridge and Colby Parkinson. Like, ah, uh, what were we thinking? By um, the way, there's an interesting conversation to be had about D. Eskridge. We, were, we will. Yeah. We will. Uh, Nathan, by the way, was the most uh, negative on Colby Parkinson at 80 receiving yards, and he might still be too bullish uh on what he ends up doing <laughs> oh my god um oh. Oh. who's gonna have uh, more rushing yards Rashad that one's fascinating dallas that one's fascinating right now <laughs> that's neck and neck probably right 35 yards for dj and 24 for rashad so <laughs> that is 24 years <laughs> i mean rashad penny has has definitely reached meme status uh as a seahawk like just there was a point where he actually had some value and like was a decent player um he is not that anymore god i hate this football team uh who's got more receiving yards freddie swain or d eskridge that's a close one i think eskridge has got a chance here but uh only if they actually play him um (laughs) So hey, how many yards does uh, Swain have? 169. Nice. So, yeah, I think Eskridge has got a chance to come back there. Josh is the only person that picks Swain to have more yards. So Josh is sitting pretty right now. Um, <laughs> Seahawks offensive rank in points scored. Oof. So they were seventh last year. Uh, the lowest prediction is Nathan at sixth. Um, <laughs> Evan, you had them at number one. Josh had them at number one. <laughs> what are they right now? Oh, my God. What are they, like, 21st, 22nd, I think? Um, so, yeah, it's defensive rank in points scored. Uh, I got to crow a little bit here. I had them in the top 10. I have them at nine. I was taking a lot of shit for that. They're currently ninth. Um Wow. So we'll see if that, that holds up. Uh, yeah, I think Jason Myers makes field goals. Uh, Evan had zero. And specifically, he had zero, you cunts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like you just said that on the podcast. It's what you wrote. I'm just I'm just reviewing your Oh prediction. my god, real hot talk after dark. I I had 3. Uh, I think Josh had the most at 5. So I think <laughs> I he already missed 3. Um, I believe you just said that. <laughs> well, you said it. I'm just reading your words. Uh, <laughs> interceptions by closed doors, man. <laughs> 
Interceptions by Seahawks cornerbacks. This is the last one we'll talk about. Interceptions by Seahawks cornerbacks. Uh, what is that actual number? Is it zero? Does DJ Reed have one? I don't know. I had a preseason you. one at least. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, it's uh, it it might just be zero. I think it's zero. I think Ugo has one. Ugo or Blair or uh, no, it's zero. It's <laughs> oh god. Andre has three. Him. Adams has one, and That's nobody it. else got any. Evan, you had him with ten. What was this? <laughs> Interceptions by Seahawks cornerbacks. <laughs> I had him with seven. Josh had him with nine. Like, what did we take? Was the most trolly, and he had him at three. And he he might be high. He might be high. And I, I mean, mean, that hope is the enemy when it comes to the Seahawks. <laughs> all right anyway, I, I had to take a second just to revisit sorry nathan were you gonna say something do you know what we are in the running for we we are looking it's neck and neck right now but we have a chance to see rasheen green lead the team in sacks for a second year daryl taylor currently has four rasheen green has three do you know who has who is uh who is next is it bobby wagner Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, Al Woods, and Ryan Neal have one. Mm. Oh, and Alan Robinson has one. And Ben Samela. Okay. So I fun. would say, so the biggest difference between what this team is and what I was expecting going in the season, like positive to negative, clearly the offense, that's, that's one. And just being able to like be a reliable machine, that's been completely off. And the other is the pass rush. I was so excited after the first week of the season, and it's just been trash. It's been so bad. Carlos Dunlap, Benson Mayoa, those guys have been like – I was hopeful that maybe Dunlap was going to come on after like the last couple of weeks where he showed a pulse. Yeah, other than throwing a shoe, he did not show up much in, a, in that Green Bay game. Um, okay, let's talk Cardinals. Um so latest on Kyler Murray sounds like he may play. Um, if he doesn't, it sounds like Colt McCoy may not play as well. He's got a peck injury. I don't know. And he had to leave this last game. Does anybody know the name of the Cardinals third string quarterback? Anyone want to guess? PJ Tucker. No, that is a basketball player. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's got, he's got a PJ player. Are you thinking of PJ Walker? Yeah. It, it is. Back for the mic. Reveler. Oh, okay. All I know is the Seahawks have had the Seahawks have had some traumatic experiences with Colt McCoy in Lumen Field. So, um, Brian, does that ring a bell for you? at all or uh yeah yeah i have a paper bag um, to <laughs> commemorate that moment um, the game that broke brian <laughs> yeah. it is definitely the game where i was like all right time for change um <laughs> what a joke that was um i personally am cheering for kyler murray, kyler murray to play um 
where are you guys? Like when you see that right now and you see the news, you're like, oh man, I hope he doesn't play. So we win. Are you like, uh, no, I want to see Kyler play. Like Nathan, where are you at on that? There's still a road to the playoffs. Uh, Stop it. There is. Stop it. No, li- listen, look, they get Arizona. No, just hold on. They get Arizona without Kyler Murray. They can win that game. Then they have Washington football team, San Francisco. That, that, that's looking tough at this point. Houston, the Rams. Let's say they, they lose at the Rams. Then Chicago, then Detroit. And then the last game of the year is going to be against Arizona, who probably doesn't have anything to play for. So you lose one of those games. That gets you to what? Nine wins, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten wins. Ten wins. You're in. You're in. Washington doesn't have Chase Young anymore either. Washington doesn't have Chase Young's yet. I mean, the one that's going to pop up here and look a little bit scarier than I think we had hoped is that Niners game, but that one's far from unwinnable. So, yeah, you catch Arizona without Kyler this week and you manage to win that game. Playoffs are very alive. Well, I will say if they win with Kyler playing. Well, then playoffs are especially, then, then you have playoff hopes, I think, but yes. <laughs> See, and ever like I see, we see you. Not that people that are listening don't see you. So, how does that make you feel? Stop having hope with this football team, guys. Stop it. Acknowledge who they are. Just acknowledge it. They're not good. They're going to fail you. Their patients are going to be crushed. <laughs> They're currently truth. They're currently at least a top fifteen defense by EPA per play. They just got shut out, but Russell Wilson is better than that. Are you are you one hundred percent convinced they'll beat the Bears? Are you? No, 100%? I mean I'm not. I'm not convinced they'll beat Washington. I, I actually picked them to lose to Washington before the oh, season started, like, and I thought they were going to go to the playoffs and win a playoff game. But what we know from this team, Nathan, does not indicate that we should have optimism or hope with this team. I mean I this. Well, let me actually. I want to ask this. What would give you more hope if the offense clicked and the defense played, like started regressing or the defense continued to play well and the offense just made incremental, like modest improvements. You understand what I'm kind of proposing? Obviously if like the offense and the defense both are playing great, we're going to feel good, but what would give you more hope? For me, it's the offense. It's where the most talent is on, on that side of the ball. We've got superstar elite talent there. If they can thrive at a high level, they can go anywhere. They haven't proven they can do so reliably. I feel the same way. Like, and I love the defense, but I, a part of it, I have to admit, I just, at this point, I feel like DJ Reed. Trey Brown, you know, uh, that secondary, the safety play is real. I think it's going to be there, even if they have an off game, you know, or they get beat by a good, you know, they're, they're getting beat by a good player. I think that defense is going to be good the rest of the way. Um, I don't know that they're going to be great, but I think they're going to be good. So if the offense can like show like that they've turned a corner of some sort and they have something that they get, then I, 
I actually agree with Nathan. I think I think all options are on the table for what happens the rest of the year. But until that happens, then I'm with you, Evan. Like until the offense shows that it can actually play a full game, then what are we even talking about? Like that's it's pointless. At this point, though, I'm just trying to buy a week, get Russ a little healthier because I I don't know. I mean, I'm not expecting him to be a lot better this week. Uh, it, it seems like clearly, I mean he forced this right i mean they, they couldn't he couldn't take snaps under center so this idea that he had this miraculous m- recovery like i don't want to take any credit away from him for the work that he did to get back on the field that's impressive but like he he didn't get back 100 percent. and you know he said doctors were saying it's an eight-week recovery and so that's kind of what i'm thinking before we really see him back so for this arizona game i just try i just want to get I just want to survive another week. I want to make it one more week, right? And so I guess in that case, I want to see the defense keep playing well. Hmm. Jeff, what are you thinking? I think Nathan's right for the short term, for sure. I think if I think Russell probably did rush it back a little bit, but I think this idea that they should have sat him was ludicrous. If that happened and the story came out that they played Gino, the world would have erupted on Twitter. But Russell should probably sleep a little more, by the way. 19 hours a day. Um, but overall, uh, we just saw a defense play its best game in what you said, like, what, five years? And we all came out of that game either frustrated or annoyed. So I think a nine has to be the offense. Like, they essentially shut out Rodgers for three quarters, and they still didn't come close to winning. So the, the answer has to be offense. And, again, that's been my feeling just all week, like how uneasy I've been about just the state of this offense and how it's meshing together and, Again, some people might read it like I'm thinking like we got to trade Russell or something. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we got to find the ways to maximize him, and that's not – they've made him worse in the scheme. So yeah, I think to me everything about this next couple of weeks, we've seen what we can from the defense. Hopefully it continues. But my eyes are on what the offense does, and I think that's going to dictate a lot of this team's future, whether it's Pete, Waldron, Russell. So to me, it's, that's everything right now. I, I don't know about you guys. I would like Russell to to not publicize his like rehab stuff as much as he did, and like it end, it ended up being a bad look. Like I was super impressed along the way, and I was like excited to see him play. And then when he had that, and it just for me it 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 left a bad taste in my mouth. It felt like he was promoting his his journey and and at maybe at the expense of what was best for the team and and uh i don't think that's how he i don't think that's how he approaches things but i don't know that they need film crews following him like all the time doing that stuff I would say this i don't need to see any more pictures of nails going through his finger <laughs> yeah that too it's not necessary yeah yeah um, let's do some Patreon questions. Um, Nathan, if you can help. So if you haven't already given the show a like, please do. It takes a second. Um, subscribe to the channel. Uh, that also takes just a second. Click the button, click the bell to get notified when we go live and go on over to patreon.com slash Join the community. It takes just a second. Get immediate access to the Slack channel. Uh, talk with now that there's literally hundreds of patron members that are in there. It's a really good crew, good folks, um, making good friends and uh, treating each other pretty well. And we do things like ticket giveaways and all sorts of other fun stuff and the proceeds go to charity. So come on over. Now is a perfect time. Keep yourself warm during the cold winter months. 
And uh, you'll get to ask patron questions like these that we will try to answer on the show. So Nathan, take it away. I got to say, I think this game may have broke the Patreon a, a little bit. <laughs> we got, they're a little rowdy in the questions. Uh, so let's good. start with this one from Jason. And uh, I think it'd be good for you, Brian, to answer this one. Should we have Gino play on third down? <laughs> <laughs> I love that question, Jason. That like, let's go crazy. Like, let's bring back Seneca Wallace. Like, let's just figure out some shit. Um, no, I we <laughs> definitely should not do that. Um, I without going too deep, I, I do think that Russell has some issues on third down and it's not just this season. Um, it's, it's a career thing. And um, I put some, some stats about that up on Twitter and also a link to an article I wrote a few years ago that just goes into all of aspects of Russell's game, places that he's excellent and way above the average. And then places where he's mainly average. He wasn't really below average and too much, but third down has not been a place where Russ has excelled during his career. And um, it is, gotten much worse this year so far small sample size but to this point he has been really bad on third down like one of the worst quarterbacks in the nfl so i understand why the question's being asked but there's just no way you can sub in a quarterback for that down um, and i don't think that would be the best thing for the team either so yeah so i went and looked up some stats around it too and you're right he, he goes from you know the crazy amazing stuff that russ can do on third downs he's pretty much league average he's very good on third and one uh compared to league average he's very good on third and seven and third and eight compared to league average for whatever reason um this year yeah he has completely fallen up a cliff strangely enough uh he's good and getting better year over year now on third and less than three um but beyond that this year it has been abysmal um well, that's actually I good news because well at least in, in my rudimentary research what i found with other quarterbacks first of all you don't really see the the major variance on third down with a lot of other quarterbacks um they tend to be the same quarterback across downs um and so it is odd that russell you know i haven't found somebody that has the same pattern i'm sure there are guys like that i just haven't looked through everyone but the other thing is a lot of the best actually have they excel on third and short, third and less than four, like four, four yards or less. And Russell has not. And so that would be great if he could start even improving in that situation. Um, but so far, that has not been a down that a distance that he's excelled in. So he's been solidly above average there this year even and then the, the previous two years as well so yeah it was interesting i mean i was getting into it a little bit with uh see mike spin move if you don't follow him on twitter he's amazing um go follow him now um and you know he was talking about hey you know you can't do play action on third and longer and that that hurts rest which is probably true but it doesn't explain explain things about how he's weirdly bad at third and second so um it's an interesting um thing with him yeah um all right, uh, Jeff, um, Sam Brown wants to know, would an offensive-minded head coach solve all of our offensive issues, or are the team's issues deeper than bad offensive coaching? Um, that sort of fits into the point of making. I think the right coach is super important for Russell. I don't think Russell is the kind of guy you can drop him into any scheme, and I think the right scheme is really, really important, and 
I think I know a lot of people who we chat with. I think the perfect scheme for Russell would be someone from the Andy Reid tree. And funny enough, it was Reid who wanted to draft Russell, and that probably cost him his job in Philadelphia that they didn't get him. He got fired that next year. So I think like if you put like a Kyle Shanahan or a McVay in here, maybe it would accentuate some other things, maybe the run game, something like that. But I don't know if that would solve all the issues. And I think there's a pretty good case it wouldn't. So I think I think having a question though, Jeff. Uh, yeah. just, sorry to interrupt, but I'm curious. Like I'm just starting to wonder, like we've talked so much about the past, like how to optimize Russell passing. And I just wonder if what the best thing for optimizing Russell is getting someone who can scheme a great running game to compliment him and let him do deep throws off of you know, like do what he does off like Greg Roman for example like someone who's a super creative run schemer um and then yeah. play action passer off of that like and that's that's what I mean though I think it has to be someone very specific I don't think you can just all of a sudden put any offensive coach in and it's going to solve I think Russell's a very unique player and that's a good thing. He's got skills that no one else in the NFL has. So I think it has to be the right coach. And I think more so this year than other years, it's not the turn this over to offensive team and everything's solved. I think there's a lot more problems that we're seeing now that just how repeatable, how lack of repeating is going on. So I do think the best situation moving forward, if you want to keep Russell, I think you need an offensive head coach. I think that's how this needs to work. But I think what Brian said is absolutely true. I think there's certain ways you can do it. It just, I don't think you can just do any offensive coach and all of this is solved. Um, Evan, uh, DJ Burnett says, Colin Coward has talked about for a couple of years and most recently the other day uh, about how Pete has too much power in the organization and the only way for us to win is for him to step down as coach or give up some of his power. Uh, what's your opinion about that? Yeah, so this is actually a good question, and I think you guys will find I have a potentially much more reasonable take than you would expect from me on this. Um, what bothers me about this whole like Pete Carroll conversation is the assumption that he deserves the right or he can just stay as long as he wants. Um, that is so like not okay with me. Um, Pete Carroll's own philosophy is like always competing and always improving and always looking for ways to optimize and get better. And I just don't, in a world where anybody's job is permanently secure, no matter what they do, that to me breeds non-competitive competitiveness and is a problem to me, frankly. So I don't really have a take outside of everybody in the organization deserves accountability including the head coach. And it's a Evan, problem. He brought back Tater, Carl Smith, to keep him in line. That's why he has sons on the staff. <laughs> I just, I, but, but I'm being 100% <laughs> serious, guys. Like, I, I don't like that implicit, like, assumption that he's just in control of everything. And that's just the way it is. Like, that's not the way it should be. There should be an owner holding him accountable. Yeah, and I, I, to... I, uh, Seattle, I, I'm going to say something potentially that's going to, rock the boat a little bit. Seattle has a bigger ownership problem than they have a head coaching problem. I, and I really believe that. I think it's very reasonable. Yeah. Nobody it's, wants to talk about it. But I that's don't know a, if it's a bigger problem, but it's definitely a more 
perplexing one. It's a harder one to solve for sure. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know what you do there. And I, it's we are certainly going to learn. We are if the season continues in this way, we're going to learn about the ownership in a way we haven't had to so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope we don't have to learn that. But um, I am really curious. You, you don't. Well, I mean, I I will always hope for the Seahawks to win. Period. Like always. Oh, okay. um, but, I misinterpreted what you were saying. Yeah, but but yeah, like I, I don't know. Anyway, I'll stop talking. I'm just it's a it's a fascinating point you made, Evan. I agree. It's a fine line to walk, though. I mean, you know, you don't you also don't want to go all the way to the other end where you have Dan Snyder or somebody like that. That's like yeah, exactly right. And so, but there there does seem to be some sense of complacency, and I don't know who is challenging anyone at this point. Who is challenging Russ? Who is challenging Pete? Who is challenging John? You know, there's no Scott McLaughlin or whatever to John for John or, you know, anything like that. So. Yeah. And Colin, Colin's really tied in with Russell's camp. So if you listen to him, hammer the same points over and over, you know, where that's coming from. Um, He's on a show race to talk for like four hours a day. So he just repeats the same things over and over. And he tends to get his facts wrong. Like he talked about how bad the defense is and how, and he talked about like Belichick gave up his powers in the draft or something. It was just total nonsense. But I think the questions about Pete Carroll are absolutely right. I think I brought this up to Brian the other day. I think the question around Pete is it's something that people don't talk about enough because I think he has a vision of how he wants to play and built a team that isn't aligned to do that. I think that's a reflection of bad leadership as much as anything. People don't talk about that enough. And I think that's a f- complete failure. But everyone talks about fourth downs and punts, which are horrible too. But I think big picture, I think that's the reason more than anything why Pete shouldn't be the coach anymore. Well, there's a story that I don't think we've talked about. We'll keep doing patron questions, but but you mentioned Colin Cowherd. You mentioned that he is a bit of a puppet for Mark Rogers and Russ. We've kind of known that. Peter King also wrote in, our, in his article about that it might be time for the Seahawks to trade Russell Wilson. And he's kind of a puppet for John Schneider, right, uh, in the past. So are we seeing like already the Sabres getting rattled by the different camps through their, you know, through their mouthpieces in the press? Or is that just like, you know, not, not what's happening? I, I mean, if you add in Jake Heaps to the mix and yes, absolutely. <laughs> there's some Sabre rattling. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, but like, is it just that? Is it Sabre rattling? Is it power? Like, does everyone want power here or is someone going to get mad and want out? I, I think that's the big question. Well, just, it, it keeps coming up that like people are like, why are you like, you know, saying the sky is falling? I don't get it. Like blah, blah, blah. Russell like wanted to leave this off season and was almost traded by some reports and things haven't gone better since then. So I don't know why you come to any other conclusion other than like, this is headed towards another conflict of some sort. Sorry, Evan, I think you're going to say something. I was just going to say, I respect how passive aggressive Seattle's leaks are on both <laughs> sides. It's like, <laughs> so, we lead the league in passive aggressive leaks to the media. I truly believe that. I definitely thought that Peter King column this week was a strong Schneider response. Yeah, that was was my gut. Because out of nowhere, he's like, well, maybe the Seahawks want to get three first-round picks for him. 
and maybe it's time like right after his worst game of the season but is that just is that just like don't threaten me with a good time like is russ like what like he's like okay yeah <laughs> i know you know it's yeah, funny sure he'd be thrilled. <laughs> yeah I don't think we know what we don't know is if Russ would want to stay if they fired Pete Carroll. Like, I don't think we know that. I think we're all assuming that that's the case, but Russell may just be like, I want to go play. I'm ready to go play in New York. I'm ready to go. Like, we don't know that. I think there's a big assumption, but it would be. (laughs) I think it would depend on the level of involvement or authority he's given in um, influencing another hire. Yeah, it went well with him hiring Waldron. <laughs> I was going to say, is he self-aware enough to know? Yeah, he so. wanted to play for John Gruden last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did not have access to his <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, All right. So on this topic, uh, Jay Brandt wants to know, uh, is it a ridiculously hot take and recency bias to think that Russ just isn't the QB we all think he is? Some problems seem, uh, seem to persist across coaching staffs, uh, screen game, third down, sacks, et cetera. Maybe that's not due to coaching. Um, Jeff? I think it's a fair question. I don't know if he's not the quarterback. We've seen pretty consistent, strong play for a long period of time. But I think there's fair questions whether his limitations are just sort of capped out and really limit what a coordinator can do. He's on his third coordinator now. and A lot of the same issues persist and he talks about himself in the same vein as like a Brady and a breeze. And we talk about how they won in their career. And the third down thing just keeps lingering. That's I think Matt Hasselbeck said today on uh, his show that that's how Andy Reid and him used to just, that was their judge of quarterback play third down play. That that's how they graded out in the quarterback room. And he said, that's why he hasn't really graded Russell well this year. And that came directly from Reed and Holmgren. So I don't want to come out with a hot take. Like he's not the quarterback we thought he is. He's been a very, very good quarterback for a long, but I think there are fair questions to be asked because as he ages, we don't know how well his game's going to age. So I don't think that's that crazy of a take. It's not. I'm just enjoying watching Evan's reactions to whatever he's reading <laughs> or, or, or whatever you're saying. I couldn't tell. Yeah, pause. probably me. The, the chat is talking about should, should, should uh, the Seahawks trade Russell in the offseason for Aaron Rodgers. And that oh, bizarro God, I plan. I hate the Seahawks even more than they do already. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Go on. Is that it, Nathan? Do we have others? Um, there's a longer one here from Jason A. Um, I'll kind of throw it out to whoever wants to answer it. Um, but uh, he noticed that during the Rams-Niners game, um, so the Rams were frequently uh, in third and long, um, took a number of impatient low prob- probability deep shots um, with Stafford trying to win the game by himself. Meanwhile, 49ers won with few individual star performances, running the ball, repeatedly executing safe plays. Uh, and apparently Russ was tweeting out or putting on Instagram uh, a couple posts, one that said, stay the course, proud of you guys. And it looks like it's Gerald Everett, I think is a picture of. And then another one that says, we got better days ahead, just watch. And it's a couple of play, uh, players from the defense. Um, do you think that Russ was in his feelings watching the Rams-Niners game? Do you think that there was something he took away from that? Do you find anything profound in those posts? I don't. Just seems like his social media person posting stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think I agree there. Um, all right. That is uh, it for Patreon questions. 
real quick on the Russell thing, because it just always comes up. Like this idea that Russell isn't good is such bullshit. Like, yeah, that's ridiculous. Like Russell is extremely good and he does some things better than maybe some quarterbacks have ever done, or at least in the elite of elites of some aspects of his game. I think if anything, I think people are starting to realize he's not good at everything. And some of the things that he's not good at are painful and they're hard to coach around and they're hard to win around and they're hard to be consistent around. And the hope is that there's a coach that can like mesh with him and bring it, you know, dull those rough edges or something. But like generally you don't take weaknesses and turn them into strengths. So I think Russell's always going to have the things that he's not as good at. Um, Players don't change. What's that? Players (laughs) don't change. Yes. Right. So, so yeah, I, I struggle with the like black and white nature of like, is Russell really good? Or have we found out that he sucks? I just think that's a false dichotomy of like an overly simplistic. Um, I don't know. Felt, felt the need to, <laughs> to vent about that. If he doesn't suck, then why is his EPA per play worse than Geno's? You know, I have no answer for that. Reality right now. <laughs> Nathan is like attacking Russell. Well, let's just, I mean, I don't know whether they're good at winning arguments. I don't know whether to be (laughs) thankful or like remorseful that Geno Smith didn't play really well in Russell's absence, because that would be a fascinating moment right now. Like, uh, so in hindsight, should have, should Geno have started that game? I think so. I, I, now we, I I said what I said at the end of that game, which is, there's no way with what I knew before that game that I would have started Geno Smith. What I knew after the game, yes, I would have started Geno Smith. If you, so Brian, if you were the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks and you knew going into that game that Russell would not be able to take any snaps under center, would you start Geno or would you start Russell? Uh, just based on that, I would have started Russell probably. Hmm. I mean, Gino's bad. <laughs> He's just a bad quarterback. Russell's good. And yeah, so, and Russell played the worst game possibly of his entire career. Yeah. So, I mean, if he had played a mediocre game, I think they win. Like, sure. anyway, so, so I don't know. It, what Would your answer be different? Yeah, I think uh, my whole concern, and I was on record saying this publicly, like a couple of weeks before it was determined that he was coming back is he should only come back if he's like 100% healthy and ready to go. I Nobody wants, this is a depressing reality to admit, but I truly believe this season was lost like several weeks ago. We learned who this team was. They're not going to win anything meaningful in the playoffs, most likely. The worst thing they could have done or could do is rushing Russell back or Rus- Russell rushing himself back, frankly, and re-aggravating an injury, making it worse, prolonging well, it, whatever. Is he risking future damage? It's a finger injury. I don't agree with that at all. I think that's bullshit. Really? Prolonging if he had a sprained injury. ankle or like a bad shoot, it's not a finger injury. What, he's going to break another finger? He just played like shit. Wait a he second, also played Jeff, in I mean, the worst it's... conditions possible for a coming off that injury. It's freezing cold. It's windy. And a lot of the mistakes he made were mental. Like what? What does that finger injury have to do with throwing the double coverage? 
He doesn't right. have a bum shoulder or an ankle injury. He broke his. There were definitely injury. Jeff. There were definitely three or four throws though. That, oh, hundred percent. But he's not risking future injuries or anything like that. Okay. Would you say is it fair to say that it could prolong his rec- full recovery? Uh, no. I okay. think look at Dak Prescott missing one week. Look at Rogers missing one week. They were rusty as hell. They played like shit. They lost Dallas lost 30 to nothing to Denver. Rogers had three. They both missed a week. I think so this guy are, missed three weeks and he looked like shit. Does that really surprise anyone that much? Wait, but you guys are, I think, talking past each other for a second. Like I, I just different things. Think, so yeah, so Jeff, you're that. making the point that blaming the way Russ played on his finger is bullshit. That's one no, thing I'm saying. saying it's part of it, but I don't think like they're risking future injury and he's risking his career by playing with a finger injury. I don't know. I think that's a reach. Well, that I'm surprised that you're that vehement about it. Like he was it's, playing with all sorts of weird things on his finger. It's his throwing hand, and it's, he played with a sprained MCL three years ago. No one said that. <laughs> that is way more risky of future risking future injuries for it. Absolutely was. No one said that then. It's just he played like shit. I'm on Jeff's side a little bit here. Like mm. the finger, I don't know how much risk of re-injury there is. I mean, I guess he runs with the ball, he can get sacked, but like, I mean, the dude's played for years and years and years, right? And he happened to hit his finger the wrong way one time on a helmet, and that's what caused it. So I don't know future injury is that big a thing. Interesting. That's 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 kind of fascinating. I I, I personally am more concerned about throwing hand or throwing arm or throwing shoulder issues than i am about leg issues you think that lingers into like his future like we all i don't know i don't know i mean i'm not what's the story coming out of this game if you find out gino plays like shit and russell is ready to play what are you guys talking about you guys are calling for everyone's head well and so that's i feel like we're but wait we're i don't know what we're saying If, if we're just talking about russ playing yeah before the like potentially before he was physically fully recovered is that a risk and is it a potential costly decision for his future and for the team's future i think the answer is yes yeah like, so i think it's completely no i don't know i mean if if i think the only thing they're costing is their win loss record this year and hmm. and you guys both said it's irrelevant interesting yeah i mean i i don't know enough about finger tendons and all that shit to say but but uh yeah, we'll, we'll... hopefully we don't have to find out. I think if you look at it in a vacuum and you just say like between like just one quarterback who's coming off an injury and you have to throw away like half your playbook because his finger's not right and another quarterback who isn't very good but is healthy. Like I think just that like very generic scenario, you probably pick the bad quarterback that lets you play with your whole playbook like yeah. in almost every situation, right? Yeah. But I mean, if you're if you're Pete, you have this whole thing going on with Russ. He's made this whole big deal about rushing back, exactly. and then and then you don't play him. Like, and it's easier now to look back and like, well, they scored zero points. It couldn't have been worse if they played Gene out. Like, that's true. But like, what did you really do for your winning percentage? Like, your chance to win that game? Did it go up five percent? Are you really going to risk your relationship with Russ because Gino had the five or ten percent better chance of? And, and I'm more in, I'm more in the same camp as Jeff, where I don't know that there was really a risk of re-injury or long-term effects from playing. So for me, that doesn't really factor. So I, I think, you know, yeah, it, it's, I don't know, like Russ really would have not been, able, if he, once he got cleared by the doctors, 
I can't imagine Pete making any other decision. Well, I do think it's a little ironic that generally I think the take is that Pete has not done enough to, to, you know, give Russ what he needs. I think there's just starting to be more evidence that Pete tries to do everything for Russ and it's not always the best. It's not always the best thing. Like, um, but to your point, I think if he had, if Russ had, done the film cruise and gotten all the way back and gotten a doctor's note that said he is like the best quarterback physically that's ever played in the history of football he is a miracle he walks on water and pete was like now you're gonna sit i don't know that pete's got that in him like i think russell's i think russell's wearing the pants in that relationship more than than maybe people realize and i don't know that that's a good thing you know like maybe maybe it is maybe it isn't but like that's to me damning as a as a as a coach like you should be able to make decisions that are the best for the football team even if it impacts your your star players Um, i'm not sure pete's in a position to do that Um, okay we are a little bit past time um but let's go ahead and do predictions uh, unless there was any other topics you guys wanted to cover before we do that did we ever get to the cardinals game (laughs) did we ever talk about that (laughs) Not really. We talked about Kyler coming back and stuff. Um, I mean, I'm happy to talk about the Cardinals game a little bit if you guys want. Um, Should we talk about Carson? Yeah. Did we get any news on him today? Today's Wednesday, right? I think he's done. I don't, I mean, not like done, but I don't think he has a chance to play this week. He he didn't practice again today. They were supposed to say something on Wednesday. I thought I, I was expecting them to put him on IR and be done for the year. Um, They didn't, they didn't do that, but he didn't practice again today. Okay. God damn it. Now I get all this cracking stuff in my Seahawks feed. <laughs> Super annoying. Um, yeah. All right. What do you think? We lost Evan. Um, so yeah. What, what is your, uh, what's your take on the Carson stuff? Oh, it's just bad. I mean, uh, it's a bummer for him. I, I obviously am not too concerned about what it means on the field, but for him as a person and his career, it's obviously pretty scary and pretty sucky. Yeah. Um, all right, Cardinals game. Um, what what is your what are you guys thinking about um as things you're gonna be watching for in this game? Uh Jeff, let's start with you. Yeah, their defense has changed a lot since JJ Watt went out. And they have some pretty good pass rushers, and we've seen what Chandler Jones has done to this team historically. And if Dwayne Brown doesn't play, that Chandler Jones versus Jamarco Jones was one of the worst left tackle performances I've ever watched a couple of years ago. So, Brian, I'm sorry to bring that up again. But they have not been nearly as dominant defensively without J.J. Watt in terms of, like, run stopping. Their defensive numbers have gone down a lot. Carolina kind of ran over them. Um, Green Bay did okay against them, missing three receivers. So they've been a little bit different. So I'm just curious to see – how they look because I, I think the main story of the game is whether Kyler plays and how the defense holds up but I'm curious to see if the Seahawks can do something against this defense where their cornerbacks are not amazing but they do a lot of creative stuff that if you remember that overtime game last year where Russell got confused a lot at the end of the game by Vance Joseph's schemes and so I'm very curious to see how they look and how they match against this defense because Brian's been saying they need to run the ball a lot more and there is an opportunity here. We know Carson's not out, but so I'm just curious to see how they attack this defense, whether or not the defense is vulnerable and whether they can finally hold up against Chandler Jones. 
Yeah, I mean, Nathan, I don't know if you've looked how much you've looked at the Cardinals, but their defense, like they, we thought their cornerbacks were going to be crap, and they had Malcolm Butler retire on them, and he was a big part of their plan. Then Robert Alford's ended up having like this revival year. He's been a really good cornerback. Byron Murphy's always been a pretty good nickelback. Um, the guy, I think it's Marco Wilson or something. The other cornerbacks, crap. But then they've got Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson are two good safeties, uh, and they have pretty good pass rush with Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden and Jordan Phillips and Corey Peters. So I don't know that like, given what you know about the Seahawks, that being a pass heavy um, against that defense is your best chance. Knowing your perspective, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like what's, what's your thought there? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just, I mean, obviously what you saw last week, you would think running more is probably going to be okay at the very least. Um, hopefully we don't see that again. Um, and so passing more is fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just all, I mean, it's just a hundred percent like what shape is Russ in, And you know, that's, that's the question. Um, if, if he's healthy and looking good and playing the way he is, then I think the pass rates they had last week were pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, I mean, it was fascinating that they ended up still not running more. It was a close game the whole time. And that's usually games that Pete like steps in and says, go do it. But he didn't um, for whatever reason. So, yeah, I mean, I think the Cardinals are obviously, this is not a hot take. I think they're clearly better team than the Seahawks. And there's many more ways for them to win if they have their quarterback playing. We don't know about DeAndre Hopkins and whether he'll play this week. Um, that's obviously a big, you know, uh, big thing. But she actually played pretty well against Devontae Adams. Um, I don't think we talked about that much, but like that was the best game that this defense has ever played against Devontae Adams. Like even going back to when the Seahawks had good oh, corners. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Like, that terrible game plan in the playoffs, just leaving him isolated with Trey Flowers that uh, one year. I mean, has there ever been a bigger upgrade in talent at a specific position? Like, it's not even like, anyway, yeah, it's been. Yes, there, there definitely has been. Oh, my God. Whatever your he was just, not that the people that upgraded were so high in talent, but the person that was being replaced was so bad. I mean, it's just a huge gap. Um, anyway, yeah, I. I I think the Seahawks have every ability to beat this team. I really do. Um, if the defense is going to play well and the corners and the coverage is going to be good, um, this offensive line is not great um, that they're going up against. But uh, I think the Seahawks have to get a run game going. And if they don't, I just don't – I don't think it's realistic that Russell is just going to all of a sudden click one week later against a defense that's arguably better than the one he just played. Um so that's it for me. Um, as far as predictions go, I'll start. Uh, I am going to pick the Seahawks. Uh, I'll pick the Seahawks to win 27 to 20. Jeff, how about you? Um, I'm very similar to what Nathan said about where the offense stands. I think it's going to take a couple of weeks. I think the defense does give them a higher floor, which is crazy to say. Before, they looked so hopeless defensively. Now, I think we saw stat that from week six to 10, I think they're third in the NFL or second EPA per play. So there's a lot of things they're doing well. 
I think obviously this comes down to whether Kyler plays. I don't, their bye week is coming up. So I don't know if it makes sense to push back Hopkins and their bye week's week 12. But regardless of that, I'm still a little skeptical of the Seahawks offense. So I'm going to take Arizona 24 to 16. I don't think I've ever had less of a clue of what to do than this game. Like between the absolute weirdness of the Seahawks, like the defense is good, but are they really good? And then Russ, what the hell? And then are, are the Cardinals even going to have their quarterback? I have no idea. Um, 17-10 Seahawks. Love it. What I mean, I don't want this to happen because I don't want Russ to get hurt or whatever, but I, what I really want to see is Jacob Eason. Uh, we have not talked enough about Jacob Eason. I wanted Jacob Eason to get in the game somehow against uh, Shreveler or whatever. Like, you really want it to feel like a preseason game. Oh my God. It will be just an UG fest. It'll be so bad. Can we get some kind of like the, the dream scenario here is the Seahawks are winning like 41 10 and they go to put in Gino and you see Russ like quietly nicks it and Eason. <laughs> gets the uh the victory cigar because you don't you don't subtweet russ <laughs> yeah well i mean he is the guy wearing the pants so uh yeah i want to see some eason play that'd be fun all right everybody thank uh, I don't, you for... I don't think it would be. <laughs> <laughs> we have different i will have had many drinks before this yeah. game i'm actually looking forward to being back in the stadium it's been a little while for me and uh seeing some friends and uh this is old school this is old school like people that have been to Seahawks games when the stadium's not full or there's not a lot of pressure and you're there and you're just kind of laughing uh and not necessarily crying and and screaming quite as much but um thanks everybody for tuning in if you haven't already please click the thumbs up just takes a second really appreciate it uh click the subscribe uh, and the bell to get notified when we go live we will not have any OBJ uh, emergency pods. Uh, those Rams are in a rough spot. I can't say I'm, I'm hating watching them struggle the last couple of weeks. Um, please go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Get on the patron uh, group and the Slack. And the other thing that folks should do, if you haven't already, holidays season's upon us. Go to hawkblogger.com. Go to the Hawkblogger store. Get some real Hawk Talk swag. If you want something that's uniquely Seahawks, cool, good stuff, uh, all designed by our very own Will Cornell, uh, and Evan helped picked out some of the stuff as well. So um, go there, grab some stuff, buy some buy some good stuff for for friends and family. They will be thrilled to be decked out in real hot talk gear. All right, until we see you for post game, goodbye, good night, and thanks for.